Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's time to do the show. I mean, chew the dough with Aaron and Danae. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, it's Aaron and Danae. Well, welcome to a new episode of Shoe the Dough. Who saw this coming? Nobody. Just no. like nobody saw that you were going to have some heart issue and die for a second yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. We thought we'd come back and uh, talk a little bit about near-death experiences since I had one last month. You did. But basically, I figured, Danae, you can just kind of interview me okay. on kind of what you want to know about the experience because... Honestly, uh, a lot of people are curious. A lot of people kind of know, want to know what's going on, what I went through, you know, how things are, all that kind of stuff. And I think we can even talk about the topic of near-death experiences in general as well, just kind of our thoughts on them, our opinions on them, all that kind of stuff. But uh, but yeah, take it away. It was a very public thing. And so I feel like this is a great opportunity for us to talk about it. And that way, like, if you don't want to talk about it with somebody, you can be like, we did a podcast. Go on listen that. to the podcast. <laughs> I am. What curious. do you mean it's a public? It's a public thing. Your experience? Yeah, I. It, it you, was very public. You mean in the way that like my whole life is public since I, you know I've well, chosen this life of that and the moment that your wife decided to, or actually your dad decided to post on Facebook. Was it we, my dad? We knew that it wasn't going to be containable after that because yeah. we didn't know. So let's just let's just do a real quick recap of what actually happened, okay. just in case you've been unaware sure so like a month ago on a wednesday Mm -hmm. aaron walked upstairs grabbed something to eat out of the refrigerator went to the bedroom sat down on the bed to do some work Mm -hmm. and said something to his wife who was getting ready in the bathroom yes she was getting ready for work she was in basically in her last day just getting her makeup on and getting out the door Mm -hmm. and she had lingered at the house longer than normal and i had already left the studio for that day right and Aaron just kind of was like zip and just like fell over on the bed. Yeah, my wife says I, I collapsed. She says she saw the life go out of my eyes. She said my eyes look completely different. Um, and I turned gray almost immediately and started making funny sounds. This is all secondhand. I just don't remember any of that. I really don't remember any of that moment. Why would you? You had died. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Apparently the vent- ventric- vent- ventricular defibrillation. Defib- Something like that. Or we, fibrillation. To fast forward, what happened is the electrical impulse of your heart, Aaron, just like stopped. Messed up. It messed up. Yeah. It went out of rhythm and your heart stopped and that means that you stopped going. Yeah. So... In that particular moment, what happened was uh, Jen, your wife, called 911. 
they instructed her to do chest compressions until help arrived. She did that. Help arrived. They zapped you back into a normal rhythm. What they call a sinus rhythm, Mm -hmm. I have since learned, yes. And then because of the hospital, they decided that the best thing to do to make sure that all of your organs were okay was to put you into a cold coma Mm -hmm. where you were for three days. Two or two two and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two and a half days was in a cold coma. Yes. They had you on a paralytic and a sedative. And even if you wanted to, you couldn't have woken up. (laughs) And then they took, they like weaned you off the meds and you started to wake up. And since then, you've been in a process of coming back to normal. Back to reality. Oops, there goes rabbity. That's what happened. Yeah. You didn't vomit the spaghetti on your sweaters. No, no, no. no, However, no sweaters were involved. But there's a lot of people that have been listening. So at some point in that process, your dad decided to post on Facebook of what was going on. Yeah. And so since it happened on a Wednesday, I had ran back to the studio. I put a radio show in for Thursday and Friday. So nobody publicly knew, at least as far as the show went, what was going on. But then as things started to leak on Facebook and we became more and more like public, mm-hmm. you know, we all had to talk kind of behind the scenes. How do we want to talk about this? Are we going to talk about it on the radio? You know, there's a lot of decisions to make. That's what I mean by public is that by Monday, we were talking about it openly on all radio channels, all across the board. Messages mm. were going out. And, right. and so that's what I mean. Everyone publicly was invested in. Is Aaron going to wake up? When he wakes up, is he going to yeah, be Aaron? Yeah, who's he going to be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or is he going to be a new person? So there's a lot of people who are invested in your story and they want to know how things are going. And that's a lot for you to handle. Well, and I know uh, originally there was a lot of thought about uh, brain damage and those kind of things because I wasn't breathing for the best estimates we can come up with are somewhere in the five, five, to, to, five ten. to ten minute range uh, is, is kind of when I was not getting oxygen. And they say anything over three minutes can result in brain damage. So uh, it's been very nice to think that maybe I don't have brain damage. Like, I feel like I'm 100%. So it's nice to feel that way. Uh, I guess you never know for sure. Um, But, but yeah, no, I I feel like I... I feel like the brain's chugging along, doing okay. I didn't know that CPR has changed because it used to be you would do chest compressions and respiratory breaths. They told her not to do respiratory at all. Yeah. Apparently now it's the standard that you don't do respiratory like or rescue breaths Mm. unless there's two people there and one of them really knows what they're doing because the pressing the chest to move the blood around is more important. And and something about like when you press on the chest that some oxygen can get sucked into the Anyways. vacuum anyway. Mm, interesting. And there's this whole thing. But when your wife told me that you didn't have any rescue breasts that whole time, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, originally, I think you guys thought it was more like 20 minutes. We thought you were without air for 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Just because the, the timing was a little different. We didn't know the timeline. I'm also I'm still feeling, by the way. Uh, a little bit of pain from the chest compressions like those things are deep man like yeah so i hear that they usually break ribs and i don't know if they check to see if they did break any ribs and maybe i have a broken rib maybe that's what i'm still healing from i don't know i think yeah it could be uh in the live chat by the way if you are listening to this live and you want to ask questions i'm totally fine with that yeah Uh, just log in uh, make sure you're logged into Spreaker so that we can see your questions. Or if you want to just tweet, you can tweet at Danae Says or at Aaron Dicer right here during the show. The BDG says, I was kind of hoping you would have a Scottish accent, but just talking is good, too. <laughs> that would have been fun. I've heard about those things happening, right? Yes. With near-death experiences, people wake up with different like skill Accents? sets. Oh, yeah. Different things like that. Totally as far as I know, I don't have any of that. So maybe I'll run into something 
where all of a sudden I'm good at something that I didn't realize I was good at. We'll uh, we'll let you know as we go. I have a mental checklist I've been going through uh every time that you do something that's just normal, like what you did before. I'm like, Uh okay, he's still himself. Okay, good, check. (laughs) But I am calling you Aaron version 2.0. Well, I think that's fair. You know, I think I got to restart. I got to reboot. You do. Yeah. And there is a recovery to what you've been going through. Like, one of the things you also might not know unless you've been through something like this. So being in the East ICU and having to do a sedative and having to do the paralytic and all that meant that you had to have breathing tubes. And that means that your vocal cords have been traumatized. My Yeah. Friend. And I was worried initially that I didn't give myself enough time to heal because I'm still dealing with throat pain, like vocal pain, some sort of throat pain. I'm not sure if it's in my vocal cords or if it's just in my throat in general um, but I think I'm okay. Like, I think, I, I think I'll be all right. You uh, had to be intubated twice. Yeah. And for a couple days. Ugh. So lots of scratching. Yeah. Down the throat tubes. And stretching out too. Yeah. Right. Like they just, they just shove it down there. There's no like gentle way. <laughs> <laughs> just. Yeah. It's just like in Grey's Anatomy, which I don't know if you know this. Just, like, just I, like in the alien movies. I'm basically an expert. When the aliens implant their babies into people. Do yeah. they go down through the throat? I don't know. I actually don't remember. I always just thought they like, oh, they do attach your face, don't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Face huggers, yeah. Whoa. See, I totally, like, I've only seen bits and pieces of that yeah. movie. It's called uh, in- Intubation Insemination. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Are you, see, an, see, the are brain's you still growing there. an alien right now? The brain's, is that- <laughs> the brain's still there. It's still working. Check. Aaron is still himself. All right. So, uh, like, what do you want to know, like, about my, my specifically my near-death experience? Like, what are people curious about, do you think? Well, I feel like it's important that we we remember that you were put into a coma. Yeah. So, you didn't, like, you, you weren't, like, of a natural coma. But one of the questions people ask you is, did you have any, like ethereal experiences anything yes. like that is a uh, yes that is a question that people ask oh like, you did <laughs> i thought you said you did it <laughs> uh there are two questions people ask and we'll deal with that one first the other one is did you, do you remember th- anything from when you were in right. your coma um so the two sections of my near-death experience are actually being dead not breathing you know a uh, heart stopping for however long five to ten minutes uh, and then the coma part. And like you said, the coma was different for me because it wasn't a natural coma. It was an induced, you know, cold coma or whatever it was. Uh, I had no, I have no memory of anything during either of those experiences. So no I, angelic visitations. No, I don't, I don't remember floating above my body or, you know, seeing a bright light. Were you kind or, of bummed out about that? A little bit. I mean, it would be nice to have those things and just have my own experience with that version of what people say. But at the same time, I'm, I mean, you know, it is what it is. I'm fine. You're like, at the same time, I'm happy to be alive. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's just missing time. That's basically all it is. I'm just missing time from the time I went down on Wednesday morning. And this is the like the last day, uh, like the last this part. This is Easter of... weekend, by the way. Yeah, Easter weekend. So there's a lot of dying and rising again, you know, kind of symbolism, correlations all through it. And there's some things you don't remember that I do. Like you remember talking about how basically you're just trying to be like Jesus. Did you remember all your Jesus jokes? No. Yeah. What do you mean by Jesus jokes? You're like, I'm just trying to be like Jesus, and I did it in two and a half days. <laughs> no, I did you not. You totally did. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> I'm funny. 
<laughs> you're funny even when you don't remember being funny. Oh my goodness. Because there is this whole period of time where like you were okay. You had talk about your defibrillator. Like what did they do to like make sure you're not this isn't gonna happen again? Oh, like the the what they put in me? Yeah. Yeah. So they The insemination. They, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not pregnant. It? I'm not pregnant. I just got I was a, just trying a to make a reference to I'm the just, alien thing. I'm just a what, I'm a cyborg. Yeah. Now. Yes. Uh, yeah. I have a piece of mechanical equipment in my chest now. It is not a pacemaker. A lot of people think, oh, you got a pacemaker put in. It's not a pacemaker. My heart actually didn't deal with those kind of problems. Yeah, because um, you didn't have a heart attack. No, I didn't have a heart attack, and I and I actually was very heart healthy. Um, it was just one of those weird things that that happened. Like I didn't have any blockage. Nope. All my levels are you know perfect. You know, I've been running recently. So lungs are great. Body's lungs, great. Yeah, everything seemed to be healthy. 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 Um, it's just a freak thing. So, so the defibrillator is different than a pacemaker. Correct. It is in there in case this happens again and my heart just decides to, you know, fritz out, it will immediately shock me back into a sinus rhythm so that there isn't, you know, that whole five to 10 minute process of keeping Aaron alive. Okay. So let's, for just a split sec, I want to, I want to do a comparison. Uh Your father has a pacemaker. Indeed. He... Does not know whenever it does the pacemaking thing. Correct. He doesn't feel it. Right. Like whenever it does this thing. I'm assuming you. Oh, there's no doubt. You will feel it. Will, it. it will knock me to the ground. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's a big deal. I am deal. such a bad friend. I'm like, I want to see. <laughs> well, pray that my heart stops <laughs> no. again and you can see it. You can no. watch it happen. <laughs> no. Uh, question in the chat. Can your children connect with the cyborg part of you using Bluetooth? <laughs> no. That's good. No, there's no Bluetooth connection. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, David. That is, that is not happening. Uh, yeah, that's one of the things that they did to make sure that you're going to be okay. But there is this like period of time from your surgery, getting the um, defibrillator put in, to you coming home and you're on meds. And even that part of your recovery time is really foggy. It's really just in the last couple of weeks that you're really starting to kind of feel more of consistent memory, right? I wouldn't even say foggy. It's gone. Like that mm. that whole second, I do not remember anything. I shouldn't say anything from the hospital. I, I do remember like the last... I remember watching the basketball games. You do? Those were, okay. those were really important to me. Because your team made it to the final. Yeah, Michigan was in the final four. The final four. And actually the championship game. The championship game, game yeah. They yeah. won the, the game on uh, Saturday and lost the game on Monday. Pause. Yeah. I watched the game. Did you really? Mm-hmm. The Saturday game I'm or like, the Monday I'm game? doing it for Aaron. <laughs> I watched both. Did you? I wow. Did. Yeah. It was a lot more fun Saturday than it was Monday for Yeah, us I was fans. so excited on, on Saturday. I was like, you're winning for Aaron. Like I was screaming <laughs> at the TV. Anyway, go ahead. So you, uh, you so kind of remember the basketball? I, I remember, kind of remember the basketball, and I remember certain food things. Like I remember a pot pie they served me because I was so hungry. Um, and I, I just other than that, I don't remember conversations. I don't remember, you know, other kind of moments. I, I look back at my phone because my wife gave me back my phone once I was – by the way, apparently I was – lucid very quickly like more quickly than they're used to uh with somebody in this situation um and so i got my phone back and i i had text conversations with people and like in dms and twitter conversations with people and i look back on them like, like i look back at my twitter dms i'm like when did i have a conversation with this person i'll open it up i don't remember any of it <laughs> awesome um so this is what happens to people when they go blackout drunk yeah no that's i bet that's a similar start experience drunk dialing people um aside from the fact that i think i was lucid and myself and like when i read the conversations i'm making sense i'm witty i'm you know all the things i would hope i would be check 
So, but it, but it's weird because it was somebody else. It feels like it was somebody else. Because you did don't it. remember. I don't remember that at all. So I really, until I was off Oxy, uh, have blank spots uh, for sure. And specifically as I was coming out, I'm just totally blank. I'm wow. totally blank on those first couple of days. I don't remember anything until the game Saturday. So, and yeah. you had to take oxy because you were having trouble sleeping at night. Like it was like it was for the pain, transitioning yeah. from the pain of the of all the things you've been through. Well, and the surgery and to help you, yeah, mm-hmm, and yeah. To help you sleep. And I actually have a friend that works on the heart floor of the hospital where you were, mm-hmm. and she sees that people have this happen to them. It's just like a fluke. It's not something that you could prevent. It's like, and we'll get kind of more into that part here in a little bit, but. Um, she was talking about how the opioid stuff is so, so crazy serious. Yeah. And I was like, oh, please, right amidst all this conversation about the opioid crisis in our country, right. please don't let my friend get addicted to opioids. <laughs> get addicted opioid. to Oxy. Yes. Well, I'm proud to say I haven't had any since those first couple of days out of the hospital. So um, so I'm not I'm not sneaking some somewhere else. Well, that's so, good. Which is exactly what I would say if I was an opioid addict. So, you know, I know it's hard for you to know, but you can trust me. I think you can trust me just by my demeanor. Because that changed my demeanor when I was on that stuff. Like, I was grumpier and... You were. I was not nice, nope. I don't think. Uh, you during, were different. Yeah. You were more abrasive, I would say. So I was more abrasive and no food tasted good. I was so angry because nothing I ate tasted good. I remember when you, like, so angrily told me about, like, that you didn't like Chick-fil-A. And you were so angry about oh, it. Oh, yeah. You're like, like I love Chick-fil-A. Why isn't it taste, taste good? And I'm like, it's the Oxy. Just get off of the Oxy and everything will go back to <laughs> oh. normal. And that's that's enough for me. I can't even as 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 good as you feel when you take it, like the pain all goes away. Like it all goes away. Life feels great when you take it. Um that enough is worth it for like the, the side effect the side effect of not being able to have good tasting food. Like there's no way I was going after that addiction. You know what I mean? Like the Oxy goodbye, you know? I want to enjoy Chick-fil-A. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> uh, checking in on the chat, uh, BDG and producer Phil both say, uh, have, how many times have you been asked, is heaven for real, like really for real? Um, yeah, that is that is actually something several people have asked me. And I guess when I say I was disappointed that I didn't have an experience, it it's it's slightly disappointing just to not have an answer and just to be mm. like everything was blank. So. Um, no, I have no clue if heaven is for real. I believe heaven is for real, but I have no clue. And not everybody has that same reaction. Some people that I've talked to who have had near-death experiences do have those out-of-body experiences where they're floating above their body or they have a warm feeling or they can feel like a sense of come towards the light. I've actually had those conversations with friends. So Another question in the chat. Did you lose your super taster abilities? Uh, I do not believe so. Uh, I am I am not going to test it out. We everybody about wants this yesterday. Everybody wants me to test it out and try a pickle. It's not going to happen. I think you should. No, it's not going to. I think I would know if I had lost my super tasting by tasting other food as well. Right. Every, stuff tastes this like I still taste all these different flavors in the so things defensive. that I taste. Well, I don't want people telling me I have to taste a, t- a pickle. <laughs> Or paste a tickle, whatever, paste, whatever, <laughs> whatever it is. Either of those, you don't want to be told right. what to Tell do. Tell me what to do. So this obviously affected your job instantly. Yeah. And what you thank do. you for stepping up. Yeah, man. Yeah. You took over. I really did take over. Um, and everybody filled in in my other job. You know, I have a lot of different jobs I do. Everybody stepped right up, you know, and, and did what needed to be done. I have to apologize to you. Oh, no. What, what happened? I hacked into your email. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah. When you went down, I knew how to log into your email yeah. from our work computer. Right. 
And well, because so, I always leave it up on the work computer. Like I leave stuff logged in on my computers. Well, nothing was open, so I like had to open it, and I specifically I went to your Gmail, and I went through your emails to see who you were talking to. You that don't you, have to apologize. That's a great. Somebody needs to do that. Okay, I kind of felt weird about it, but there well, for you know. there for about twenty four to forty eight hours, I didn't know if you were going to come back. And so it's like... No, that was legit. And my wife, I think, dealt with it more than anyone else. Oh, yeah. Uh, because of what she saw those first few moments. She really... She said on the way to the hospital, she she was processing that I was gone. Yeah. Uh, and what that meant. And Well, you know, she did see you turn gray. Yeah. No, totally. That's totally going to make you process I it. I totally get it. Yeah. Yeah. So I was all I was all in your personal, your personal stuff. And let's just be clear. It hasn't been said during this podcast. I've said it elsewhere, but... If she leaves for work at a normal time, I am gone. Like, yes. you know, and that's that's something we try not not to think about because there's no reason to play the what if game. Um, but it is definitely something worth mentioning that you know there are a lot of things that that could have gone differently where I am no longer part of this world. Yeah, you'd be on the next part. Yep, whatever that is. Which which you can't confirm. <laughs> I cannot. Con- I can neither confirm nor deny. But you did. So you're when you came back, like you're just now kind of starting to get into the swing of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're still telling people that you can't yet, you know, because your voice isn't a hundred percent just yet, and your energy level isn't the same as it was before. What are you talking now? Yeah, like you're just now starting to be like, okay, I can try this. Like a podcasting today, for example. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you've only really been back at the mic for a, a week, couple weeks. A couple weeks. Yeah, I went and did a, a big event for one of our radio stations um, in St. Louis, a fundraising event that was a real test. Uh, of my vocal cords and mm-hmm. my uh, ability to stay engaged because it's an exhausting thing to do. Um, but yeah, no, no, I think I'm I'm pretty much 100%. Yeah, so you, you think you're going to go do that softball tournament that you softball talked t- about? When, when did I talk about a softball? Is this another thing I talked about that weekend? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't feel any desire to play softball. Okay, you're back to normal then. Check. <laughs> uh, in the chat, uh, somebody says, uh, I think I speak for everybody when I say we want some funny Aaron on drugs stories. Oh, man. I think the funniest thing that I noticed was just you uh, you were more your introverted self than I've ever seen before. And like a grumpy version of your introverted self. On the drugs? On, on the drugs. I drove you um, one day, I think it was... You like you mean you mean post hospital? Oh drugs. yeah, yeah. yeah. Cause I because there yeah, was some I should, funny I stuff that. in the hospital. Yes, that's true. We'll, yeah, yeah. we'll tell all of those. Okay. So this was post hospital. You're home recovering, and I drove you to go see movies. I think it was like the second time you'd been able to like see movies and kind of yeah. you're trying to get back into to normal. Catch up on some movies. Yeah, and yeah. I know that it wouldn't be funny to anybody else, but you're just straight out of your mouth grumpiness is so not like you that it was kind of funny and i had to like i didn't want you to see that i was finding humor in it Uh but you comment on people as they were driving or you're you're complaining again about chick-fil-a you're Uh going on and on like the other day or we were talking about the same thing with taco bell that was just really not like you at all yeah to be so was I very like judgmental of people yeah. and stuff? Oh like, yeah, 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 you're just yeah. like I can't believe that they would do that. That's just unacceptable. And these are things you've never, I've never like what, heard you like say. Like driving stuff, driving. Okay, but specifically the Chick Fil A really ticked you off. Yeah, yeah. Like how can they? How can that not happen? How can I not like a tom- like or or the the sandwich? It's a perfect sandwich. It's a great sandwich. <laughs> so angry, but there are some good hospital ones too. I know your wife has told you several. Um, 
in the hospital, my understanding is that I was very gregarious, very quickly. Like as as soon as I came out of the cold coma, uh, I was joking with the nurses. I was joking with everybody around. I was, you know, trying to be funny and silly. And I don't remember any of this. So you basically but, flirted with a male doctor. That's true. That's true. I did. Uh, I did apparently say that that my doctor was the most gorgeous man I've ever seen in real life. And how do like you that. work with him? <laughs> and then you immediately felt bad. You're like, oh, I wonder if he gets this a lot if he's not taken seriously because he's just so gorgeous. Yeah. Which is something that we wonder about anyone who's like a quote unquote more beautiful person. And right, right. And you're trying to culturally talk, beautiful. You're yeah. trying to talk with the staff about is he okay? Like. <laughs> Because he was very handsome, and he, like as soon as he left the room, I'm like, how do you guys work? He's just so handsome. Was that the most handsome man I've ever seen? <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and uh, my wife says that I said I needed to get out of the hospital and go home because there were two kids that needed my room. And so I don't know where that came from, but you know, you I- also are convinced your room was haunted. Oh yeah, uh huh. Yeah, like- there was a corner of the room that had a phone. That is in the worst place for a phone and no reason for it to be there. And I could not, I, I fixated on why that phone was there and that it must be the haunted corner. And there was like a balloon hanging there and some other things. Drugs will mess you up. Yeah. No, that was, definitely. That was definitely crazy. How, so, go ahead. I was, what else do you want to know? I was just wondering how things are now that there's been enough time after this incident has happened, like with your family, like your kids, because you've got four children. Well, the kids are interesting because I never saw them. I don't remember seeing them during when they would have been their most worried or upset. Mm -hmm. Uh, And honestly, things seem normal with my family. Like everything seems normal. You know, maybe my youngest is a little more touchy feely, like a little more clingy, clingy, Mm -hmm. but not not really. I mean, all my kids are older, too. Like, they're all teenagers. So, right. you know, it's not like we're dealing with, you know, young, young children. Because your whole family flew in pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, because it looked like it was going to be really serious. Yeah. And so, like, the doctor said, get everybody here, which you never want to hear a doctor say. By the way, that was, like, the worst. That was, that was the, the worst, worst thing to hear. Yeah. When, when Jen's like, okay, so the ICU doctor just told me that I need to call the family and have them come in. And I'm like, Every medical drama I've seen, that is right. not a good sign. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, so yeah. I was like, oh my goodness, we're going to be pulling plugs or something, you know. And it was really intense there. But um, everyone came in. And so I did get, I was at the hospital almost every day. And so I did get to see some of, like, your eldest son. He came in from college. Yeah. And he was there. I don't even remember him being being here. I don't remember seeing my oldest son at all. Mm-hmm. I, well, I'm not surprised because you're right in the recovery I don't like, zone. I don't like that. You know, I really, yeah. I really wish because uh, you've told me stories. Jen has told me stories. Um, my dad has told me stories of really beautiful moments that I don't remember. And I'm kind of sad about that, that I don't have a point of reference mm-hmm. on these beautiful moments that happened in the recovery process. Uh, you know, moments of, you know, me contemplating things or me having an emotional moment and it's just, it's gone. Like I just have no recollection. Yeah. So that's kind of a bummer, right? Like, you know, there are a lot of bummers. I mean, there's also like you feeling like your body has betrayed you in a way because there's no reason for this to happen. It's not like you did something. It stinks not to have a reason. You want a reason. You know what I mean? Like it's just that, well, it just happens. And apparently it does. Apparently this isn't all that rare. Apparently this this kind of thing actually does happen 
quite a bit. I think that the number of this like diagnosis, ventricular fibrillosis or whatever it is, is 300,000 a year. Um, but I don't know the percentage of that that have other factors that do play into it. You know, I don't know what the percentage of is like me where there were no other factors. It just happened. You know, I don't know what the difference is. So I haven't done that, that studying, but, but yeah, you want a reason. Not having a reason is, is a bummer. Yeah. And it's also, there's nothing I can do to prevent it from happening again. That's right. I think I remember your uh, wife telling me that one of the first statements you made once you found out what was going on, you're like, well, then why would I ever work out again? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Why would I ever eat healthy? (laughs) Why try? (laughs) But that is, that is the hard part of feeling like, you know, you like you can't do something was done to you and there was a moment um when i was asking this was when you had come home and you're recovering and you're kind of in your darker like oxy phase i'll call it <laughs> yeah which was like five days it wasn't that right long. yeah yeah but you're like um i'm just asking god why you know you were really contemplating like why would this happen you know what's the purpose yeah. of yeah of what's happened because you're very purpose driven you like for things to i have like a to know reasons a reason yeah, yeah. And I knew that was going to bug you and it probably will for a long time because it's not, you know, it's just a fluke. I mean, you can always find consequences, negative and positive from any event, but that's not necessarily purpose. You know what I mean? Like, let's talk you, about one of the positive things that's come out of it. Uh, I think one of the positive things that's come out of it for me or the first one I would say is just the knowledge of how much my family is supported. You know, how many people there are that truly love uh, me and my family in a way, uh, to see the GoFundMe pop up like it did and get yeah. fully funded, um, was that humbling. Was really awesome. Um, to see other people be so generous with my family has been amazing to see the, the support group come together for my family, uh, so quickly has been incredible. So just kind of to know what's going on, to know that there is such an incredible amount of love, uh, for, you know, me and my family is, I think that's one of the, the biggest things because you know what? Not everybody has that, you know, it's kind of that, um, you know, you get to see your own fu- funeral kind of thing, mm. you know, where you, you, you think a lot of people, Oh, I wish they could have been alive to hear this. You know, the people talking right. about them and telling stories and in some way I, I kind of have that, you know, where I, I kind of have been here for my own funeral, uh, to know the incredible support and love that people have. And a reminder that we should, we should do that anyway. You know what I mean? Like we should, I know it's hard and it's just not priority in our minds to show that kind of deep love for people unless they're going through tragedy. I right. get that. It's it's just a human thing. But we should try, I think, better to to make sure people know how loved they are and how supported they are. Do you so. feel like people are coming up and saying things to you now about that? Like they want to come up and tell you that they love you now yeah, in yeah, person. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Because they have that second chance with you. And how are you responding to that? Because I know that it's hard. You're an introvert. So I know it's hard for you. This to is be all. Those. Yeah, no, it is hard, and it's hard to talk about because I don't want to sound um, uncaring, ungrateful. Yeah, I don't want to sound ungrateful. I'm so grateful for so many people who are invested in in my life. Uh, so when I say, "Oh, it's hard for me to interact with people," it can sound ungrateful, and I don't mean it that way at all. I truly am thankful for these people. But yes, uh, everybody's invested. Everybody wants to know. I go to church, and everybody wants to look me in the eye and say, I'm so glad you're still here. Everybody wants to 
ask questions and those kind of things. You went to I shouldn't say every, St. Louis. I I, you know what? I shouldn't say everybody, right, but right. it feels like a lot of people. Yeah, going to St. Louis and seeing people. There will be more times. You know, I've got an event coming up that I always go to where there will be more people who are going to. And so as somebody who, as you mentioned, is an introvert, there is uh, a part of me that is like, can things just be normal? Can we just like let's just pretend it didn't happen? Let's just make life normal and just ignore this incision in my chest. <laughs> well, it's not like it's not like I walk around with my incision showing. No, you don't. For my chest, I cut the little holes little out hole. all my clothes <laughs> so that everybody can see my chest incision. Um, no, it's it's uh, it, it, I'm very grateful and I do my best and I think I do okay to be in those moments in in because I know. Everybody else has needs too. They need to know that I'm okay. They need to know um, have some closure. To have some closure and do do the you know the research for themselves. Is Aaron really you know okay? Mm-hmm. And and so I, I get it, um, but it is exhausting for me. Yeah, I kind of wish that maybe you had like a shirt that said has been you know checked for like and I guess like the FDA for example. Like there's these little checks. It's like this food has been checked. It's okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, yeah. That. that your wife, myself, and others who know you really well and around you a lot, we've given you the clear. Like, you're version 2.0, but you're but better. But you're Aaron. But you're yeah. Aaron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that way they don't have to do that. They can just kind of see. Yeah. Like, if you're wearing a shirt that said something or a sign it wouldn't. It wouldn't help. No, no, pe- no people, right. people need that that personal touch, personal contact, lots of hugs. Which, you know what? I, I love hugs more than I ever have in my life. Like, you know, I'm I'm a physical touch kind of person. Uh, and I don't, I don't mind stranger hugs even, you know, like, can, it, cause, but what about your, what about your defibrillator? <laughs> can you, well, can you hug I, on that side? Yeah, I think I'm, I've tried I'm to good. hug specifically. Like, like I'll just, I do side hugs. Uh-huh. I do the side hug, but I specifically connect with your right shoulder. Right. Instead of my left shoulder. Yeah. No, I think it's fine. Okay. I mean, if you give me a full frontal hug, you may feel a little, you know, lump, you know, where the incision is. So sorry. That's uh, perhaps, <laughs> perhaps sorry. I stated that. <laughs> Let's, a little awkwardly. Let's go to the live <laughs> chat, shall we? Um, there was a comment made about my Facebook post. Um, and I wanted to kind of just hit on this a little bit just from something that I've thought about many times. I tried to go to Facebook over and over and over again yeah. to make some kind of a statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And every time I went there, I just could not write anything. Sure. I was so upset at your possible death right, yeah, and yeah, never yeah. coming back. I could not I process that. it. Well, yeah, like... We've been working together so closely for, you know, almost like seven years now. We're best friends. We're best friends. Yeah. We, I, like, I know you, you know me. There's so much we do together. And just to think about all We're of the We're in ways, a marriage of sorts, you know? Yeah. I remember being told that when we first started working together on radio, that we were going to have basically a marriage. Uh-huh. And I was like, you are strange. But it's true. <laughs> but it's true in a way. Like, we fight. Yeah. We have to, but we have to get over it and yeah. get our work done. Right, so it's exactly. just, we have such a d- dynamic here. So aside from thinking, oh, everything's over, radio is over, podcasting, everything's done, it's like my best friend is potentially gone. And yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I've never had to process that. I've never had somebody close to me possibly die and or die you know yeah my grandfather just passed away yeah. like a week ago and i was really close with him for a season but that's my grandpa but it's expected Gr- yeah. you know, grandparents are expected you're expected to see your grandparents pass away yeah you know this was this was the unexpected thing right. and so i was processing so 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 much and the only thing i could come up with that sort of even a little bit summed up what I was most interested in was you waking up. Mm-hmm. So all I posted was hashtag wake up Aaron. And in the chat, it's mentioned that, you know, 
Lois feeling bad about brushing it off as a joke from radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please don't feel bad about that because many, many, many people had the same thing happen. And I wasn't posting publicly about what was really going on right. because I didn't feel like it was my place at the time either. So much was happening, you know, with Aaron and his family. And I was really wanting whatever came out publicly to come from them. So it was not something where like if I wanted people to know what was actually happening, I would have posted something more specific. Sure. That was just something that was the only thing I could do. And then like. I think I did one more like hashtag post like Aaron's awake or something like that just to kind of let people know as the news was breaking about what was happening and more public shares were kind of going on. So please don't feel bad about that. Uh, David says, have you knocked off all the lasagna yet? No, we've got three left. So you were given a lot of speaking about people's generosity to you and the positive parts of what And again, trying not to sound sound ungrateful and say, oh, so much lasagna because I actually love lasagna. So it's not bad for me. When you sign up for a meal train, that's one of the most like easiest put together put it in the freezer then put it in the oven yeah. meals and so you had like 175 lasagnas <laughs> yeah, to we've, give got, it to you. we've got three left and i can tell you which lasagna you want like which one is the best just based on look no no i can taste after tasting oh, oh, them oh. all yeah it's oh. stouffer's big big one Ooh. the big stouffer's one is the best no no no. my lasagna is the best i'm sorry danae's homemade lasagna is the best I'll fight you for that one so yeah yep yeah. um I kind of went through most of like my general kind of things. Like I feel like you've kind of talked about the positives that have, that have happened, the negatives that have happened, but I guess maybe where we can kind of wind up here at the end of the show is like for the future. Like, what are you thinking about? Are you just wanting to get back to normal and pretend it never happened? Like I, I wish know. I know. And I know that's not possible, but yes, I, I wish it, I wish it could just be something that was an event, but we're past that now. And, and now everything's normal guys. Like, you know, um, it was like a wardrobe malfunction. Yeah, yeah. It's, Except it's, for it was a heart malfunction. Yeah, yeah. Like no big deal, right? NBD. Um, but it's not an NBD, you know, for for anybody. Um, except me, apparently. And again, it's because I I don't remember a lot of it. So, um, but yeah, I, I wish it could be normal, but it's it's not necessarily going to be. But the future looks like getting back to normal because you're. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm. Radio I'm, is going to keep going. Podcast yeah. network is going to keep going. Eventually, I'll be able to start working out again, which I think will be good because um, I can definitely feel how weak my body is. Mm. Walking upstairs is really frustrating to me because I'm like, uh, why is this so laborious? Like, I think when you're in a bed for three days, your muscles, you know, are going to go away a little bit, and so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of frustrated that physically things are more difficult right now and so i'm excited to go you know get back into a workout schedule workout routine um and get stronger but you know truly and honestly it's very miraculous that you are back to yourself so quickly so fully that's what i hear um there are statistics and i'm not going to go over them because i don't remember them specifically Mm -hmm. but your dad and i think your mom are looking them up statistically the probability of you coming through something like this is it's very unlikely 10 to 15 percent uh is the survival rate for ventricular whatever it is and that's if somebody is with you um 10 to 10 to 15 percent i thought was overall but i I could be wrong it's something like if somebody is even if if you're alone it's obviously like really low oh yeah yeah yeah. if someone's with you and they perform chest compression it's still low it's very low yeah it's still very low like there's all these low and then it's like if you go to a hospital that doesn't have these things it's still very low so there's all these things that lined up your wife being home 
you know, she was able to perform chest compressions until the EMTs got there. And they were there within like eight minutes. Everything happened just exactly kind of how it needed to happen for best case scenario to occur. So even though this happened to you and it's not fair, it doesn't make sense. It's truly a miracle. Um, And if you are a Christian and the praying sort, I I believe this is a God ordained divine miracle that you've been given a second chance at life. And I know we're really close to this tragedy just happening, but have you really pondered that you've been given one of the best gifts that anyone could ever ask for, which is a chance to really go round you two. You know, honestly, I this has been a little bit weird for me because people, that's the other thing people always ask is, I bet you see life a lot differently now, you know, the, the second chances and, and that kind of stuff. And honestly, I don't know that I do. And maybe I'm not being honest with myself. You know, maybe I've still got some psychological things I need to process through. Yeah, you're but, still really close to this whole but, thing happening. But honestly, I I like to think that I was well-adjusted before this event happened. And so because I was well-adjusted then, that there isn't a lot of perspective change to happen necessarily. Does that make sense? I like to think I saw the world very well before this happened. And so I continue to see the world that way because I honestly don't feel like like I, I, I celebrated every moment before this happened. Um, so I'm not feeling like I'm not feeling regret. I'm not feeling guilt. I'm feeling actually a lot of peace if I had gone. There it would have been tragedy. It would have been, you know, emotionally it would have been very difficult for a, a lot of people, but I, f- I wouldn't I, I wouldn't have felt regret. Like I like I feel like I I have approached life in a way where I, I treasure every moment I get and so I so it's strange when people ask me that question because my answer is is no, and I'm not. The and the reason I I say no sounds a little arrogant. You know, it sounds a little, and so it, it's know. hard for me to. To me, to I'm process kind of, that. I'm taking it as like it's more of an affirmation that you are doing what you want to do. Yeah, like this is yeah. like if you had questioned, do I want to be doing radio? Do I want to be doing podcasting? Do I want to be doing YouTube? Do I want to be sharing my perspective with the world? Right. Is there value in what I'm doing? And like, you know, this waking up and coming back to life after something like that and not questioning what you're doing and going, oh, I need to rethink some things. Right. That's actually kind of I think that's kind of cool. You know, like maybe, yeah, there's some emotional stuff that you're going to continue to process. And yeah, you might tweak some things as time goes on as you really evaluate the second chance and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Like there's still a lot more potentially there for you to think about. But this initial, we're still right just after this happened. So this is, yeah. you know, we're, we're talking about this so close to when it happened. So it would be curious to revisit this conversation in like a year or something. But for you to like wake up and feel that way, that you would just be doing exactly what you're doing right now. Yeah. That's actually, I don't know. That's something that I would hope would happen to me. Like, yeah, I want to be doing what I should be doing today. I don't want something tragic you to know, happen to um, change my mind. I, I did a uh, uh, study, like a small group study, a while back, um, and I forget what it was called, but the the whole idea of it was living like today's your last day, right? And I feel like I've always done that. Like I've always appreciated the idea that life is fragile; it's not forever, you know, um, all that kind of stuff. So you know, I, I I feel like yeah, I feel like that's right. And at the same time, I still feel weird when people ask that question because it's just not the answer that most people give. Hmm. And again, I, I that's fine. I don't mind being different. Obviously, I, I kind of love being different. 
but I, I don't want, I don't want to sound um, uh, too blasé about it, like too nonchalant about it. Well, there's another check mark that you are, in fact, Aaron, <laughs> because that's exactly how you were before. You know, you're not wanting to not answer honestly, even if yeah. it's, it could make somebody else uncomfortable, because it's not your intention. To it make can be a little awkward for me to say, no, no, I still see life the same. It's like you almost died. You're supposed to have some big revelation, and it's like. I don't know what that – I guess what I would go back to if there is one, it is the generosity thing. It is fully understanding hmm. how generous people are and how gener- – because I think it's very easy to – especially when you're on social media a lot, you're you know, you're seeing the negative side of, of people's responses and comments and those kind of things to think that the – you know, and just in the political climate we're in, all that kind of stuff to think, you know, our world is falling apart. People don't care about each other anymore. They're just fighting. And it's just not true. It's just the majority, at least the majority of humans I know are amazing people. And that is a perspective I think is worth locking into is understanding um, that that people, there are a lot of good people and a lot of generous, amazing people um, directly in my life. So I feel like I can be the voice in this moment of thousands and thousands of people and say i'm glad you're here <laughs> i'm so glad you're okay i'm glad you're alive and you get to yeah. keep following your passions and your dreams and you and i's shared vision for having conversations yeah. that are fun for people to listen to give good perspective and um you know we as christians that's going to be part of our foundation and that we can like continue to just i don't know do what we do Provide a, a show for people to listen to that gives them things to think about, have a couple laughs, and isn't Lots taking emotion, but more giving emotion. So I'm excited to keep building something with you. But I'm, again, for as everybody, I'm so glad you're okay. No, I appreciate that. I, I know you've, you've got a little bit of time crunch here, right? Like we've got a little bit of a time crunch. But I wonder if we could spend uh, the last part, the real final part of this, just talking about near-death experiences in general and kind of your thoughts before this happened, you know, how, because uh, I think we're a little bit different in that. I'm a little, I feel like I'm a little more, I'm a little more cynical, not cynical. What's the word? Um, Horrible. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just kidding. What is the word? Because it's not cynical. Um, uh, skeptical. Oh, I'm, a little, oh, oh, I'm oh. a little more skeptical of those kind of things. What do you um, mean? Like by like ethereal the, things happening? Yeah, yeah. Like heaven in the yeah. real world. I'm kind of like, eh, really? Like I don't. Like, you know, heaven in the real world. Um, wow. I don't know if we can talk about this in just okay. a few minutes, but I will say that I agree with you. I feel like I am definitely more open to and have had personal experiences with what I will call like uh, mystical things happening, mm-hmm. you know, like seeing things that other people don't see, hearing things other people don't hear um, and following that sort of really mystic intuition that has guided me to deep conversations, personal revelations, and a deep relationship with um, the being that I call God, mm-hmm. right? And how that affects me and just, like, there's so much there. I am a very different kind of Christian in that I I feel like God can give people visions and dreams. Why and does just, that make you different? I, I, I feel don't like think a lot that everybody of, talks. Well, not everybody, a, but I feel like there are a lot of Christians who believe those things. Christian, I don't know. I know that there's a lot of people who believe this, like in more like Eastern, you know, religions and even just other kinds of religions. It's way more talked about. You know, you hear about psychics and mediums and there's all kinds of people sure. who believe yeah, yeah, that yeah. there is a, 
another dimension that we Spiritual cannot see. Spiritual dimension, yeah, yeah. But the way that I talk about it is not how most Christians talk about it. I think because I have just come from a non-Christian background, and so I kind of have this vocabulary that goes about these chats, you know, just from a sure an altered perspective. And I feel like when we talk about these kinds of things, I come off like a crazy person. <laughs> well, and I but, feel like I come off like a jerk. So, you know, but I think I, both of us can probably know that we don't come off as bad as we, we think we do. I just, I do believe that there are other beings called angels. I do believe that there are other beings that are, you know, evil. Um, I believe that there's a God and I believe that there is another plane of existence that we probably call heaven and that part of our human body, you know, lives eternally beyond this physical the body, the mm-hmm. soul, and that we will go to another place that we can get to because we're not confined in a physical body. I, I believe most of that as so. well, if not all of it. Um, for me, though, I think I'm this is this is going to sound bad if you have a misunderstanding of this word. Um, so I'll just say that up front and then maybe explain it a little bit. I think I'm more agnostic than a, than a lot of Christians are. What I mean by that is I am very willing to m- admit I can be I could be wrong. Like these are the things I believe based on, you know, how I've grown up and my experiences, but I am not but I am human and I am finite and I don't know what the real truth and is. And I know 100%. <laughs> no, I I don't know the answers. No, either. no, no, I know, but I I feel like I am more off like for instance, uh with this experience for me, you know, people will say, well, something has to happen to your, you know, consciousness, your soul. Like, you can't just end. It's got to go somewhere. And, I, you know, I, where was I during those three days? Like, that, that, my consciousness was gone. Like, I was not, I didn't exist during those, you know, those days. Uh, so, it, it's easier for me to go, well, that, that could be the truth. The truth could be that you just exist like you exist before you were born. Like you're just not aware. Like there's just no consciousness. That could be the case. That's not what I believe. That's not what I hope for. That's not where my faith is. But I'm I'm open to my own fallibility. Does that make sense? I think it I think Yes, it does make for sense. For me it opens up broader conversations. It opens up the ability to have well, I just think that that's more smart. On, honest conversations. It's with smart to say you don't know. Yeah. Because who like I do know people who have had out-of-body experiences, and they would very confidently say that they do know because they have had a very real sure. personal experience, sure. and they would be very confident to right. say, no, I have seen things on the other side, right? but I am here on this side. Mm-hmm. And you know, so I would not argue with their personal experience. No. I just haven't had that. right? But I have had enough experiences to be like, there is some other stuff going on. That I am super excited to figure out someday. I just yeah. can't yet because I have a finite brain. Yeah. And that's a bummer. Being human, fallible, and all that stuff, which just means I can't say I know what's happening. But right. I feel like I'm more open to like talking about it. Well, you're probably and, more certain than I am. Like I, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't. Well, because you've had those experiences. Yeah, that's nothing. True. In, nothing in my life has has led me to. And, and maybe it comes from a place of where you start, you know, uh, maybe we are creatures who in many ways build our own realities. You know, there are there are ways that our brain is more powerful than we can ever understand and is able to build realities for us. And I did watch a lot of Disney movies when I was little. <laughs> so did I. So who knows? <laughs> it's true. Who knows? I just love that we're willing to talk about what we think exactly. and, and be human about it. Does me saying those things, does, 
I, I don't know. I feel I'm I'm very nervous. I know we get authentic and vulnerable, and and I think it's part of what we do to to be honest about how we feel about things. But do you feel like me saying those things uh, about you know agnosticism, about understanding the difference between believing something and knowing it for a fact to be true? Um, I mean, is is that a negative thing? Should I be more certain? Like I I don't know. Like I I struggle with that because I feel like there's this pressure the pressure from belief systems and from faith systems and from Christianity to be certain, you know, to be sure that this is the way it is. And I struggle with that. I think if you're really admitting humanity, you're always going to be struggling with something like yeah. that. Anyone who's a hundred percent sure that, and they're so confident about it and you start to ask for like, well, what is your, you know, what is your proof? And they just say, you know, I have faith. That's mm-hmm. just, that's hard. Cause it's, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not upset with you about it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't know how to get into this. There no, is. A, there is. Like, a, see, I, I feel like there is a certainty to it, but that certainty is a confidence of belief. It is the faith itself is the certainty, right? Like it's it's not the uh, it's not the actual intellectual part of it. It's the faith part of it. You know that that brings that assurance and that confidence. I found my quote. Yay! It was in my archives. <laughs> um, I wrote something down the other day that um, I think I'm going to make like my profile description for like Instagram and Twitter and all of that. And I, w- I think that it's kind of appropriate. So I'll share it here. I think sure. it just says, my job is to admit that I'm human in front of thousands of people every day. And that's really what it is. We're just admitting that we're human and we don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> At least that's what... That's what I think. Very nice. Uh, appreciate it. Thank you for bearing with me and going through my near-death experience. Thank you for talking about it. I know it can get emotional, and there's a lot of things that might change about our topics of conversation and our perspective. I mean, if you go back and listen to any of the Shoot the Dough episodes from the last years, You'll find that, you know, just as time goes on and experience happens, perspective changes, beliefs mm-hmm. change. Yeah. You know, so some of the things we talk about today may be different in the future. And some of the ways that you think about what has happened to you might change in the future. But mm-hmm. we're right in the middle of something so raw. And so thank you for going right into it and talking about it so that now a lot of people can kind of have our healing time yeah. with your tragedy. I'm glad that, that, that almost dying has has helped so many people. <laughs> Dude, don't do that again, though. I'll do it again don't, for whoever needs don't it. Don't do it again. That was too much. That was too much. Well, thanks for shooing the dough with us today. For um, more episodes of Shoe the Dough, just subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. There are a lot of things that Aaron and I do. Um, Shoot the Dough is one of the podcasts that we do, but we don't update it as frequently as we do others, like New Music Digest or Peruse the News. So if you're looking for more consistent podcast episodes, definitely search for those two or just search for Studio DNA, all one word, in your favorite podcast player of choice. You can go also to Spreaker.com slash Studio DNA and see all of those podcasts, listen to all of them, comment all of them. It's a really nice environment. 
uh, to experience what goes on at the podcast network. Uh, and we appreciate the support that keeps this podcast network alive. That's through Patreon, patreon.com slash studio DNA. Support starts at $3 a month, comes with some really fun perks, including bonus episodes that you don't get to hear uh, otherwise. So appreciate that. We also want to thank a couple people who make this show and others on the podcast network possible, specifically producer Phil who is our incredible producer here at Studio DNA. Thank you so much for your hard work. And specifically for this podcast, Chris Tilly, who created the intro-outro music for Shoe the Dough. We'll catch you next time, whenever that might be. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.